I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I'm actually investing the time to get better. So for me, being proud and having pride are not negative. Now, on the flip side, if I were to think of myself, you know, years and years and years ago, I might have thought that pride I would have adopted the mantra or that little saying, pride goes before the fall. Like if you're too proud, you're, you're going to stop. No, I really look at pride as something that can help us, that can advance us, that can make us better, that can even protect us. So what are you making pride mean? You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Rachel, welcome to She. Hello, Jordan. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And to everyone listening, I have to make sure I make a disclaimer. I'm recording this pretty well in advance and I'm still in my brand new house and it's a little echoey in here. We don't have all the studio stuff set up yet. So bear with us. Rachel, I'm so thankful to have you here. I can't wait to dig into this conversation. We're going to talk a lot about faith and confidence and how those things can really work together. But I would love, before we get into that, if you can share a little of your story. You have a really interesting backstory, and you've done a lot of things before you started working as a coach and a speaker. Can you share a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, I always feel like it's such a loaded question because every year we get older, and so the story just keeps getting longer and longer. (laughs) But I think you know the best way to describe it is that I was a a young child filled with lots and lots of deep-rooted insecurities Mm. because I lost my biological mother when I was three years old to AIDS. And subsequently, Mm. my father, who was also at the time HIV positive, but who would later also succumb to full-blown AIDS, at that time, he gave my godmother legal guardianship over me. Mm. And what what that did was it created an environment for me to start telling stories and what I call a false narrative Mm. over my worthiness. And I had a deep-rooted belief that I wasn't good enough and that everyone I love leaves me, coupled with some things that I endured, some abuse that I endured in my childhood, and then having eating disorders or disordered eating, as I like to call it now, Mm -hmm. a stint in the Marine Corps, which I loved. I'm proud, proud veteran. Mm. And all of that kind of led me to a point in 2000, early 2006, where 
I really felt that my life was spiraling out of control. Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go next. I was still in the Marine Corps. And at the time, I was overweight. And that's a big no-no in the Marine Corps Mm. because, you know, everything is about how we look and our performance. And even though I was performing while I was still first class PFT, which is the physical fitness test. I was doing my job really great. I had a boss who told me I would give you a better proficiency and conduct rating if you were 10 pounds less. Mm. And then if if you looked better in uniform. And I remember just being so upset because I was doing my job and I was doing it well. And these 10 pounds were not stopping me from performing Mm -hmm. even physically, but that it played such a role in my worth Mm -hmm. in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And and I had just struggled for so many years with these feelings of unworthiness. Well, I was also in debt at the time, over $40,000. And my on-again, off-again boyfriend turned out to be happily married. And so that (laughs) girl, when I spoke to and his wife called me. I felt like the world came out from under my my feet mm. and she knew who I was. What? And it yeah, she said, I know who you are. You're my husband's best friend. <gasps> and he calls you, he 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 says that you're his cousin. And she knew my whole life story. She knew that my parents had died of AIDS. She knew that I had eating disorders. She knew that I was very insecure. She wow. literally you, you know that song, that Lauren Hill song? It's drowning my pain. That song, mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, where he's telling my story, telling my whole life. That's mm-hmm. what I heard. Like, oh, she was telling gosh. me my whole life. And and that was one of the, the greatest heartbreaks of my yeah. life. It was one of the, the greatest um, rock bottom moments. Mm-hmm. And I had several rock bottom moments because I also had a, a battle years prior with alcohol. Mm. And um, I barely graduated from Penn State because of my issues with alcohol abuse. And I also had been diagnosed bipolar with anxiety and depression. Like, I mean, I don't, I mean just pick a, a, an ailment, right? Pick something. Wow. And it was like, I, I kept finding that it was in these situations. Mm. And I didn't understand, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why does this keep happening to me? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the understanding that I have now that when we hold these values, when we hold these beliefs, our subconscious mind will continue to allow us to enter into situations that will repeat trauma. Mm. We end up getting very comfortable in the discomfort of trauma rather than getting comfortable in the discomfort of growth. Mm. And so finally in 2006, that first rock bottom moment where, or or I I guess I'll say the biggest rock bottom moment, I ended up hiring a life coach. And when she heard my story, she said, have you ever thought about becoming a life coach? Mm -hmm. And I thought, are you crazy? Who the hell's going to listen to me? Like, (laughs) I don't have it together to be giving life advice. And she said, you don't now, but you will. And when you do, when you get it together, people are going to want to know how you did it. And I think that you would be a great person to help them. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, all right, you yeah, know, maybe, but let, let's get me together. Mm-hmm. And I got myself together very quickly. And, and within 90 days, like things drastically changed. And within 18 months of that, I had paid off all of the debt. Wow. I had 
a really hefty savings account. I lost all the weight. I met my husband. We ended up getting married. I had, I mean, everything happened very quickly. It was a quantum mm. leap in my life. Mm. And I think it's important for us to recognize that sometimes we think quantum leaps happen overnight, but it's not. Mm. It really is the, the distillation of time and intention mm. and consistency. Mm. And so I had allowed for time everything that I experienced was years in the making, right? Mm -hmm. It was everything that I wanted, but finally I was getting to experience it. Then I had some intention behind it, hiring the coach and making my bed every day, which sounds like a very small, simple, insignificant thing, but it was one really good habit that led to another really good habit. And over time, that consistency and that intentionality allowed me to start manifesting the desires. Uh, And along with that is that, I had a very good journaling practice. Hmm. Up until then, I had been keeping diaries, you hmm. know, where you write down like what happened that day. Mm-hmm. But it, in that year, something shifted. And I thought to myself, what if I just wrote it the way that I want it to be? Hmm. And what if I just allowed myself to dream? And I still to this day have, I had one particular journal where I cut out a picture of stick figures of two little kids, stick figures. And then there was another picture of a guy in uniform and a girl wearing a wedding dress and a mantilla, which is a a lace Spanish veil, a Mm. Spanish veil. Mm -hmm. And that was, I ended up getting married to Mm. a man in uniform, which I never Mm. really thought I was going to marry a Marine. (laughs) And if you look at the silhouette of that dress and my wedding dress and the mantilla veil that my mom gave me as a gift, Mm. and we got married overlooking the caldera in Santorini, it was almost exactly what I had written for myself. Wow. And, And then I, you know, I became a life coach because I thought I want to help people. I feel so much freedom. I want other people to feel this freedom. Mm. And here we are almost 10 years later Mm. doing the thing. You know what I thought of as you were sharing that? First of all, thank you for sharing that so openly and vulnerably. I mean, so much to your story and it just, it encourages me and inspires me to hear just how much you've endured and overcome and walked through. And as you were sharing about that, something that came to my mind was this almost this phrase of like not identifying with your pain, if that makes sense, Mm. not identifying with the struggle. And that is something that a friend recently had shared with me in my own challenges in the last year or so, just how, how natural I think it is kind of what you were saying. Like we kind of get comfortable with like, well, this is what happens to me. Like life Mm -hmm. just sucks. Right. And it can be really easy Mm -hmm. to kind of get trapped in that mindset circle or cycle and just begin to believe like this is how it's always going to be. And you, we almost start to identify with with that. And I had a friend not too long ago give me the advice of like, you know, at some point in your life, this situation that you've kind of felt trapped in is going to change. And you mm-hmm. have to allow yourself the permission not to identify with it so that you can move forward with confidence, you know? And I was kind of like, I had never thought of that. But when you're right, it's so easy to start identifying with the things that we feel like haven't gone right in our life and get stuck there. And not even really be able to visualize or see a different ending to the story because it feels like, oh my gosh, things just keep going wrong, right? And so Mm -hmm. anyways, that's really interesting and encouraging to hear. I would be curious to know how you define confidence. What are some requirements to building that, especially when you feel like you've gotten trapped in a place of 
what feels like cyclical hardship or just mm-hmm. one, you know, getting knocked down one time after another. And it just feels like you're so insecure. You know, you're really struggling with your worth as a result of what's happened to you or maybe choices that you've made or both, whatever that might look like in someone's life. What do you see as maybe some requirements to actually building confidence? You had talked about how that started to shift in your life. I'd love if you could share that. Sure. Well, the first part of your question was, how do you define confidence? Mm -hmm. And that I believe is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's also cyclical. Mm -hmm. Today, in this moment, I really believe for myself that confidence is just my ability to know that I'm going to be okay on the other side of whatever it is I'm attempting to do. Mm -hmm. And how we can experience more confidence in our day-to-day life is really to give up the pursuit of trying to be fearless. Mm. I think that we've romanticized the notion of fearless a little too much, so much so that people are always trying to wait until they fear less or, you know, they feel fearless or until they feel confident to do things. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what if we would just release the emotional attachment to being fearless and not being afraid. And we just embrace that it's okay to do hard things it's okay to do scary things. It's okay to not feel confident and still pursue the desires of our heart. Mm. I think that when we start taking action, even if we don't feel confident, that breeds confidence, right? Action mm-hmm. begets confidence. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I haven't felt confident, but I just go for it anyway. And then when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, Oh, I'm doing it. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is good. And think Mm -hmm. about it. If you've ever ridden a bike, Mm -hmm. you know, that first time you get on the bike, it's like it's wobbly and you're shaking. You don't feel you feel like you're going to eat it any Mm -hmm. moment. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you get that momentum going and all of a sudden you relax into it and you find that you're not only doing it, but you're enjoying it. The you know wind is blowing through your hair and you feel in control. Mm. You don't get to that, right? You don't get to that level of confidence at -hmm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's It's almost, it it has a momentum and you Mm -hmm. have to give yourself that opportunity to push off in order to experience it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Because I think, you know, I've always kind of up until probably very recently in my life, quite honestly, I've always looked at confidence as something that you have to muster up prior to doing something. And I've come to learn a lot of times courage and confidence, which I think can often go hand in hand. I think mm-hmm. confidence and actually doing the things that it takes to build that starts with a spark of courage, even just a couple seconds that are enough to say, okay, I'm going to go, right? And actually going yes. and doing, I mean, confidence comes through action. I always tell the story. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but when I first started speaking, I was freaking terrified because I was like, I don't want to embarrass myself, you know, um, as if that's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Anyways, so I ended up like three or four, it was probably my fourth or fifth event. I hadn't been doing it very long. And I royally embarrassed myself, like walked down on stage at the wrong time. The band was still playing. The guy had to shut my mic off. I had to curtsy and walk off stage. It was a, a disaster. And I wanted to, I remember I wanted to just like go crawl in a cave and eat trail mix for the rest of my life. I was like, I never want to do this again. And then I realized I still had to go out and do my talk. And so I had to like figure out how to like get out there, even though I was so embarrassed in front of a thousand people. And what was so interesting though, is after that event, I never was afraid to speak again. Like I thought I'd be more afraid, but I realized like, Hey, I'm still alive. Like the, in my mind, what I thought was the worst case scenario, that failure or that embarrassment 
that happened and it still turned out okay. Like people still came up and thanked me after the event. You know, one little girl thanked me for being awkward. Like who knew, you know? And so I never really felt the same fear after that event. And it was like by going through the dark, scary thing of, you know, experience of even just something as simple as embarrassing myself, that fear kind of subsided and I became more confident, but I had to walk through it first. It wasn't like this confidence Mm -hmm. was something I could just come up with in my brain. You know, I had to actually kind of face the fear and do the scary thing and actually embarrass myself and experience the very thing I was afraid of to realize, oh, I'm going to be okay. And like, I can still do this. Even if I embarrass myself, that's not the end of the story here, you know, and that's a very like lighthearted, small example. But I think that applies to so many things in our life that we have to walk through with courage to gain that confidence. So I love that example. Absolutely. Well, but let me ask you this, right? Because one of the ideas I'm working on my book, it's coming out next year. Yay. Mm -hmm. But one of the, the concepts that I'm, you know, really ruminating on is most of us think we're afraid of failure. We're afraid to be embarrassed, Mm -hmm. but I don't really believe that's true. I don't think that we're afraid of failure. I think that we're afraid of failing in front of people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're walking down the street and you fall and nobody sees you, Mm -hmm. do you care that much? No, no, not really. As long as you don't break your leg. (laughs) Right. But if you're walking Mm -hmm. and you fall in front of 10,000 people, Mm -hmm. now what? Mm -hmm. And it's because we're really afraid of their perception, Mm -hmm. their rejection and their defamation. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do they think? Mm -hmm. What are they going to say about me? Mm -hmm. And then what are they going to tell other people about me? Yeah. So what if we again, it's all about releasing. What if we release our emotional attachment to their perception? Mm -hmm. What if it's just like, hey, (laughs) if I fail, they're going to talk anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. When people judge us, I I I mean, nobody likes to be judged. I'm not going to say, oh, I love it Mm because I don't. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with people judging me because I understand that if they're judging me, that means that they were paying attention to me. They were listening to what I had to say. Something about me moved them enough to pay attention. And that's all I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me? Did you see me? Good to go. Judge away. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's why I've started to wonder if maybe our really, like kind of what you said, our biggest fear probably isn't the failure itself. It's the being seen failing. It's the actual sense mm-hmm. of embarrassment, of feeling humiliated, of feeling rejected, of feeling judged. And mm-hmm. I think that fear is what will hold us back all too often. Yep. I want to ask another question that's a little bit deeper mm-hmm. as we talk about confidence, as we talk about even just walking through tough things. You know, I know you face some really difficult challenges, including a cancer diagnosis that you've shared about. What did those tough moments teach you about confidence and faith together? Because I think a lot of times those two things really work together. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yes. The greatest, not the greatest, but one of the greatest lessons that I was gifted as a result of a breast cancer diagnosis was that you can be confident of the outcome and still scared of the de- of the journey, mm. right? You can be confident in the destination, but scared of the journey. And I say this all the time because... I'm a woman of God. My faith in God. Listen, I I think it's impossible to have survived everything that I've overcome Mm -hmm. without God. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so although I love journaling and I talk about it all the time, let's make no mistake. Mm -hmm. God got me here Mm -hmm. and the journaling was a vehicle for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that being said, I knew from the moment that I got diagnosed, I knew that I was already healed. 
And I even audibly heard on July 3rd at 3.25 p.m., never forget it, because mm-hmm. I was on my face at a conference, and I heard God audibly tell me, you will be cancer-free within 30 days. And then there were a series of things that God I- instructed me to do. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you never heard God talk to you before, I understand that this can sound crazy, mm-hmm. but that's what faith is, right? Mm-hmm. Faith is having hope, believe, and trust into something that other people can't even imagine, fathom, that other people might even ridicule you for. Mm-hmm. So in my in my moment of faith, I hear God give me these instructions and I knew I had a knowing that everything was going to be okay, but I was still scared Mm. and I still had a lump in my body. I still had all these things that were telling me, yeah, but Mm -hmm. cancer is still present. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I had the surgery and thank God the lump was removed. But then there was the now the fear of, but what if it comes back? Mm -hmm. And particularly because triple negative, which is the type of cancer that was found in the tumor that was removed, is notoriously high for recurrence. The survival rate, the five-year survival rate is is the lowest of all the other Mm -hmm. type of cancers. So it's very scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling God's comfort of like, look, yes, it's scary, but are you going to let your faith be bigger than your fear? And then I also felt the grace and the mercy of God reminding me it is okay to be scared Mm. because even Jesus wept. I don't know if you know that part of the story, but Mm. right before they were going to crucify him and the Bible says that Jesus cried blood. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine like Mm -hmm. the fear that he must, and he knew, he knew what was going to happen. He knew it had to happen. He knew where he was going to be, but he still felt the fear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as a Christian woman, if if our goal, if one of our goals as Christians is to um, be more Christ-like, I mean, hello, mm-hmm. I, I, that was my that was my Garden of Gethsemane moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we when we look at faith and confidence, I, I wish I had more like great tips, but it's a it's a daily surrender. Mm hmm. Can you daily surrender? And what I love about faith and what I love about God in particular is that if you actually can rest in your faith, then all you need is grace for the moment. Hmm. Because there were so many times in particular, not just um, while I had active cancer in my body, but in the you know 19 months that have followed that diagnosis where I still, whenever I just lost a friend to cancer a couple weeks ago, and then I found out that my account, the senior manager at my accounting firm passed away also from cancer. Whenever I hear someone die of cancer, it is another wake up call to me of like, girl, you better drink them juices. You better go for your walk. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like it, you better go get those IVs. Like all these things that I still have to do. And also, I don't have to worry because I could just say, God, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me faith for the moment. Mm. That's so good. And the momentary thing, because I think um, uh-huh. it's really tempting to feel like, gosh, my faith is just so up and down because I felt that. You know, I remember telling uh-huh. my husband not too long ago, I was like, 
I'm so freaking scared for the future. And mm-hmm. I'm also like, and then two hours later, I'm like totally excited. You know, <laughs> it's like, I can't keep <laughs> up with myself, but you know, it's but that's that, a good thing, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think what you said about the moment, you know, it's like allowing ourselves when we find ourselves in the moment of fear to first, I think your, your point is so true. Actually, that was one of my husband's responses. He's like, Jay, Jesus, like, sweat blood. Like he, you think he wasn't mm-hmm. scared, right? And you know, I think that actually allows us to identify and then also to um like to remove our identity from our sufferings and to then identify with Christ, right? And then secondly, the willingness to lean and say, I need faith for this moment. I need grace in this moment. Because there's other moments where we we don't necessarily feel that same level of fear, right? And allowing that to be how we navigate those those fears and those worries that come up based on our past experience, right? Because with, 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 especially with what you were sharing, how when you hear of someone who's passed away from a very similar ex- experience and illness that you suffered through, and that really was a threat to you, that is something that really resonates and triggers in a totally different way than it would to someone who may not know what that experience is like and not know what it's like to have to go through treatments or to have surgery or any of the um, process to healing that comes through that. And I think that's that applies to all of our situations in our own hardships and mm-hmm. challenges we've walked through. And so I really think that feels so much more doable when you share just this momentary faith, you know, that allows us mm-hmm. to give ourselves the grace that we need in the moments where we do begin to shake and our confidence wavers and our, it feels like our faith is even wavering, even if we know the ultimate outcome. And so I mm-hmm. love that. I'm thankful that you shared that. Something else I wanted to ask too is, so, you know, sometimes we hear the message that having confidence in our skills and talents is is prideful. Like this is slightly different than confidence through hardship or right. confidence through failure. But I also want to touch on it from a slightly different angle, um, just because I think sometimes we may tend to believe, you know, having confidence in our skills or our talents is prideful and takes away from our confidence and faith in what God is doing. And I think mm-hmm. you kind of touched on this a little bit when you said like, hey, journaling and doing a healthy, a helpful practice for me was like a vehicle to kind of get me through the day to day, but God ultimately got me to where I am. But what would you mm-hmm. say to that? How can faith and confidence work together? And it's not something where, you know, being confident in what we're good at or where we're excelling or positive progress that we're making, it, like not looking at that as a prideful, selfish or arrogant thing. That's a great question. And it goes back to something that you've mentioned since we began chatting today, and that is identity. And so if we can really anchor into our true identity and our identity in Christ, then we know that our identity in Christ is not one of pride, right? Mm-hmm. Where where do those voices come from? Where do shame, guilt, fear, all of those negative feelings come from? Those come from the enemy. God doesn't put that on us. Those are lies and whispers from the enemy to sort of hold us back. Mm. Now, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I'm making an assumption that whoever's listening subscribes to that. Mm. So let me put, let me phrase it from another angle, just in case you're not down with JC. And if you're not, that's cool too. (laughs) But coming into your identity, do you really know who you are? At your core, are you a prideful person? And what are you making being proud mean? Because that is really the thing that we need to contend with. When I think of being proud, I think it's a good quality, right? The meaning that I assign to pride is that I care about what I'm doing. I'm actually investing the time to get better. So for me, being proud and having pride are not negatives. Now, 
On the flip side, if I were to think of myself, you know, years and years and years ago, I might have thought that pride, I would have adopted the mantra or that little saying pride goes before the fall. Mm -hmm. Like if you're too proud, you're, you're going to stop. No, I really look at pride as something that can help us, that can advance us, that can make us better, that can even protect us. So what are you making pride mean? Mm -hmm. And can you shift your perception so that having pride is actually something that benefits you, not hinders you? It's a very interesting way of putting it. I've never thought of it that way, but you're, you're kind of, I mean, I I always think of this and I I don't know if this makes sense. So tell me if this doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think a lot of it is a perspective shift and the lens we're looking through. Like I often kind of Mm -hmm. piggybacking off what you were saying. Sometimes I think we almost hold back in term in the name of humility but I've actually mm-hmm. sometimes wonder, is that actually humility or is it a false humility Humility that's actually rooted in an ego, right? So what I mean by that is when fear or when the fear of what other people might think, if other people might mm-hmm. perceive us as prideful, you know, or if it's, a, you know, I could go on, but kind of even to what we were talking about earlier, fear about people seeing us fail, et cetera. I think sometimes we can then say, well, I don't want to, you know, embrace what I'm really good at because I don't want to be unhumble, right? I don't want to be prideful. Right. And I think that's actually sometimes we have to really examine our hearts and go, where's that actually coming from? And is it rooted in truth or is it rooted in fear? Because a lot of times I think we'll find it's rooted in fear. And what can happen is, you know, it's one thing to be like gloating about something. It's another thing to just own what you're good at or what what Mm -hmm. you're called into and step into it with confidence. And I think sometimes if we examine where that's coming from and if it's rooted in fear, then what actually happens is that humility, I say that in air quotes, that mm-hmm. we're kind of trying to portray or that we are um, using kind of as a front for the reason not to do something. I think that's mm-hmm. actually a false humility that is rooted in, in an ego that is afraid to be shattered, that is afraid to be judged, right? And I think that's actually 100%. the bigger problem. And we really do need to mm-hmm. examine, is it true humility? I love that quote. I think it's by... I think it's by Tim Keller. I, I want to say it is maybe C.S. Lewis. I feel like I always get them mixed up, which seems so random. But anyways, there's a quote that says, humility is not thinking uh, thinking less of yourself. It's not like putting yourself down. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's considering how can I use mm-hmm. these gifts and talents and abilities and things that I have to steward? How can I own them and actually use them to think of other people, to do things for the world, mm-hmm. to make the impact I'm made to have and not feel like, oh, I got to pull back because people might think I'm being you know, prideful or whatever word we're putting Mm -hmm. out there that actually holds us back. So that's just another thought that I had. And it kind of came up as you were sharing that. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Yeah, and well, here's something else that you said that really struck a chord for me. When we think about a person that's boastful, right? Mm -hmm. What if the person that's boastful isn't actually doing it because they think so highly of themselves, rather because they're so desperately, desperately seeking attention and Mm -hmm. acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think of children when I think of, you know, that little kid that comes up really proud and and puffy chest. And then someone says like, well, don't, don't do that. Don't showboat. Don't be boastful. Mm -hmm. And right away, they get sort of knocked down. Mm -hmm. When the kid was just coming in to brag because they're just looking for that attention, they're mm-hmm. looking for recognition, they're so hungry. Mm-hmm. And what if we can really look at not just ourselves, but each other as children, like just grown up children, yeah. right? But deep inside, we still have those unresolved traumas that we've endured in past versions of ourselves. And I don't mean past lives, I mean, you know, past versions of our current mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having a little more compassion for them and ourselves, mm-hmm. because if we can actually start to have the compassion for ourselves that we would have for a child, imagine how much more confident in ourselves we would be. Mm-hmm. Imagine the leaps and bounds and the risks and the adventures that we would go on mm-hmm. because we would be celebrating and cheering on a small child. Yeah, yeah. 
You're so right. You're so right. I mean, that is what we are, right? <laughs> Grown up children. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Seriously, just big kids. I love it. Okay, something else I want to hear too, uh, would love to talk about is when it comes to things. So we've talked a little bit about obviously like our skills and talents and, and not necessarily looking that looking at that as a bad thing to be confident in. But when it comes to things like our health or job hunting, mm-hmm. that requires both faith and action, right? It starts with confidence mm-hmm. and whatnot we don't want to pray for God's help without taking necessary action, but we also don't want to get to the point where we are relying solely on our own work and not leaning into, into faith. Right. So mm-hmm. what do you say, especially as you've walked through hardships and then you've had to like walk through these seasons of, as you put getting your life back together and learning how to endure those things, what does that balance kind of look like? Like what role does action play in building confidence and, pursuing the things we need to do and then what role does faith like you know what I'm saying like I, I always mm-hmm. say like yeah, you can't just it. expect it to be like I'm gonna pray and it's gonna land on a silver platter but at the same time it doesn't rely yeah. on me and I think we like I don't know I wrestle with that sometimes like what's the line so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too yeah so what you're referencing is faith without works is dead right mm-hmm. so that's yeah. biblical mm-hmm. I, I, the way that you're framing the question I just I have to answer it from the Christian perspective mm-hmm. um unilaterally mm-hmm. which is basically are you seeking the kingdom of God first and foremost every single day? And Mm -hmm. this is an area that I am constantly getting wrong. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'll wake up and I'm such a Mm go-getter and I'm just like, I know what's on my to-do list. I know what's on my, I'm going to get it done. And then I find myself running full speed ahead into a brick wall Mm -hmm. and forcing and trying to manipulate things instead of manifest. And there's a big difference between manifestation and manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us are manipulating our lives, not in the, in the negative connotation that manipulation has, but, but really we're orchestrating things in our favor. But when we manifest, we're really relying on guidance from God, right? Mm -hmm. The the divine whispers, the nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us. And if we actually leaned into that more than we leaned into our own understanding, uh, we get further faster. So what I have been working on, and I don't believe in balance, by the way, you said, how do we balance that? I don't believe in balance at all. I think that at any given moment, something gets just a little more of our attention than the other thing. And the best example I can give this to you is to explain walking. Mm. When you are walking, when you are in forward motion, what's happening? One foot is going in front of the other. But if as you were taking a step, I were to freeze time, guess what would happen? One foot would be up in the air. Mm. You would have another foot firmly on the ground And your body would be angled ever so slightly, right? You Mm. would actually be off balance. Mm. But because you are staying in motion, you don't fall. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, the key to this balance that we're looking for is to, like, can you spin the plates in the air? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. so put a pin on that. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about this whole concept, it's really, what did God tell me to do? Mm Because there are, remember I told you when I got diagnosed and I fell on my face on July 3rd at 3.25 p.m. And I heard God audibly speak. Mm -hmm. I said, hold on. I hear you. I see a vision for myself. Let me write this down. And that's Habakkuk. I think it's like 2-2, write the vision and make it plain Mm -hmm. so that um, anyone running by, so that when they see it, they can run with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I heard that, I quickly 
got my little paper and in chicken scratch, I started writing down all the things that God told me to do. Mm-hmm. One of the things that God told me to do was to fast for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I remember when God said that to me, I was like, are you kidding me right now, God? Mm-hmm. That surely you're not telling me this because I had disordered eating. I don't fast. Fasting is a trigger for you know, the disordered eating that I've healed from. So I'm Mm. going back and forth with God. And I kind of heard this like little voice, like, are you going to fight with me? or Are you going to be obedient? Mm. Mm -hmm. So this really speaks to faith and confidence and action, right? Obedience is critical because there will be moments in our life where we are supposed to do things. And when we don't do them, we don't get the blessing. Mm -hmm. And then there are other moments when we're supposed to just let God be God. So God tells me to do this fasting from 4 a.m. to 4 Mm p.m. every single day for 30 days. And on day like 21 or something like that, I remember we were out and we stopped at a place for lunch and I started eating and I realized, oh, my God, it's two o'clock. No, my fast. And I Mm -hmm. remember feeling this fear of I'm not going to get my blessing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get healed. And this is it, which, you know, in retrospect is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like that's not the way God works. Mm -hmm. And thank God I heard him say (laughs) almost, almost laughing, you know, God has a sense of humor, Mm -hmm. but almost laughing. I heard God say to me, your healing was never predicated on your willpower. Mm. In fact, you don't have any kind of willpower to get the blessings that I'm trying to give you. Mm -hmm. Your healing is predicated on your faith. And the fast was just a demonstration of your faith. So there are going to be some things that God tells you to do, not because they actually impact, you know, because that's going to be the thing. It's just a demonstration of your faith. It's like when Abraham took Isaac up to the altar, God wasn't going to have him kill his son. He was just seeing Do you have the faith? Do you trust me enough? Mm -hmm. And so how do we get that kind of faith? Well, I have found repeatedly that when I go before God first, even when you and I got on this call and you were still, you know, tinkering with the sound and everything, I prayed and I was so grateful. I was like, oh, I've almost forgot to pray. And I began to pray right away. God, please let let this be what you want it to be. Mm. Let this conversation be exactly what the listener needs to hear. Use me, God, mm. so that the Holy Spirit is now invited to take over my words. The Holy Spirit gets to come in and sort of use me like a little Pinocchio puppet. Mm-hmm. And it's not me and my ego. It's a message from God, I hope. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I, yes, you guys, as a reference, um, that was actually quite comical. I hadn't plugged in the mic. And so I'm like, why isn't it working? <laughs> but that was perfect. It gave Rachel some time to pray, which I absolutely love. Okay, just a couple more questions. I want to wrap this sure. up. You've been so uh, just open and, and just vulnerable and awesome in so many ways. Okay, so for those of us who are big goal setters and are very achievement oriented, most of our listeners are working somehow. We always, I just, mm-hmm. I, I know this show is full of working women who are hardworking, pursuing goals, whether that's in a, in a company that they work for or in a business they're building or in their households. How can we continue to have confidence even when we don't meet our goals or get the outcome we mm-hmm. want? I want to really dig into this as we get ready to close. Again, it goes back to what you said about identity. 
because if we don't have a strong identity, then our goals become the measure of our identity. And so that that is the one thing that I work on and struggle with the most, admittedly. Every day I have to remind myself who I am, whose I am, and what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that last one, what I'm here to do, that one was the hardest for me to, to figure out, right? Yeah. So what I am really here to do is I'm here, here to heal and deliver. That is the, that's why God created me. I'm a healer. Mm. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm none of those things. So it was very difficult for me to understand leading up to that point of, but I'm not doing healing things, right? Mm. This is where we have to stop relying on our own understanding mm-hmm. and reconnect to what our gifts are. What mm-hmm. am I really good at? Well, I'm really good at helping people get breakthroughs and I'm really good at helping people feel better. Mm-hmm. And when they feel better, they do better. Mm-hmm. And so them doing better, now they have changed. And the parts of their lives that were hurting, the parts of their lives that were ailed, all of a sudden get better. Mm-hmm. So that is what makes me a healer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I give that illustration because I want uh, the woman listening to really understand that you're probably trying to make a lot of things make sense. The brain is wired to make meaning. Mm. And I want to encourage you to start looking at your gifts and you define what they mean Mm. according to God. Get into prayer, get into a posture of prayer and say, God, tell me, what do you think? And also listen to the whispers. You're getting little cues every single day and you're probably dismissing them because you think, oh no, not me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't have the qualification. I'm that's going to require me to go back to school, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this book right now and and I just mentioned identity is a thing that I work and part one of the chapters is exactly on identity and I was finding myself so stuck because yes, I have a certification in neuroscience coaching, but I am not a neuroscientist. Mm. And I was in a loop of but I'm not I'm not qualified, I'm not this and I just took myself through my own process and I said, okay, what is true? Go back to what you know is true, what you believe and what you need to believe in order to walk in the identity that you have been called to. And and this is one more thing I just want to say about purpose, Mm. because a lot of times we're looking for our life purpose. And I don't believe that we have one singular life purpose. Rather, I believe that we have purpose for the season right Mm -hmm. so in this season I remember when my kids were born when they were first born the season that I was in was like stay at home full-on hands-on mom Mm -hmm. that is not the season that I'm in anymore they're Mm -hmm. 10 and 12 they they pretty much run their own show now Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. now my purpose is to pour and and be hands-on with my clients so release this attachment that you have to have the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Release the attachment that it has to have a title. I still don't have a title. Mm. Who knows? Whatever. Coach, you know, strategist, whatever. I'm Mm. I'm here to help set you free. Mm. Whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. And it, it may mean something different for different people. Yeah. It's true. I love that. You know, I, I often say like we have, I kind of look at it through the same lens. Just, I say it a little differently. I say like, we have one fundamental purpose in my mind. I think ultimately the purpose of our life is to love God and love others and make him known. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's as a believer, that's like our foundational 
purpose and mission. And whether you subscribe to that or not, as you're listening, that's totally okay. But that's just my viewpoint on it. And so I look at it through the lens of, okay, if that's like kind of this ultimate, like that's, you know, we're here to ultimately contribute to the flourishing of humankind, right? Like God created us to co-create and contribute to the flourishing of mankind. So knowing that it's like, okay, now I can look at it through the lens of life comes in seasons and there's different phases Mm -hmm. to our life. And so in every season, there's just a different way in which we're carrying out that purpose, right? It's like, If that Mm -hmm. is by, you know, taking care of our marriage, or if that is by pouring into our children, or if that is by building a business, or if that is by coaching others, like there's these different seasonal ways to live out that core fundamental purpose, which have their own like seasonal purposes, kind of like you said. So I love that. And I think that's so true and so freeing because so often we go, oh, this didn't work out in the season that I wanted it to, or this, uh, this outcome or this thing that I thought I wanted isn't happening. And so therefore is my calling gone, right? Is my purpose Mm -hmm. gone? And I think if we can shift our perspective to what's right in front of me and how can I look at that as a pathway to carry out my purpose and my ultimate calling in life, then the specific you know aspects of that, the specific ways and areas we're called to in that phase of life is going to start to reveal itself when we can be all there. And like you said, take off that pressure to figure it out. And I think that creates so much freedom and so much necessary freedom that can lead to confidence in so many ways, confidence in where we're at and confidence in the calling on our life in that space. So I love it. So good. Okay. Last question before we wrap up, what are a few things that we can start doing today? If someone's listening to this and like, okay, this is so inspiring (laughs) and this is like really what I need to hear. What is maybe one, two, or maybe even three things that she could do, like actual action steps she can take mm-hmm. if she's feeling like, I just feel so low on confidence. Like, I believe everything you're saying. Like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. But what's like a step I can start with um, actionably yeah. and tangibly? So my favorite thing is to always bring it back to a journal. Mm-hmm. And the, your journal prompt is, what would I do and how would I be if I had all the confidence in the world? Mm-hmm. And then, or so that's the, that's the prompt, right? And then I'm going to give you, I call it my faith-activated journaling method. It's three steps. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to write anything, anything that comes to mind. It could be like, this feels dumb. I don't think it's going to work. I don't know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. This is just to get the ball rolling. Then the second step is the shift. You're going to now shift into a state of gratitude. So you're going to write something like, you know what? I'm really proud of myself for doing this thing, even though I I was doubtful Mm. or something like, I'm really grateful that I get to choose who I want to become today. Mm. I'm proud of myself for doing this work. Just something that actually raises your energy, raises your vibration and puts you into a spirit of gratitude because everything can be created from love and gratitude, anything really. And then step three is script. Mm. And in Step three, you're going to write your life, your desire as if you already had it. Mm. So this is where I would say something like, man, what a day. Today, I was the highest level of confidence that I've ever experienced in my entire life. I got dressed. I looked so cute. All of a sudden, a client signed up with me. My husband complimented me and slapped me on the tush. You know, I start writing with description. Mm-hmm. exactly what this newfound confidence has enabled me to be and what I did as if it's already done. Mm-hmm. The reason that I recommend this is because this is not just like a random thing. And this is not one of those like law of attraction. No, this is actually scientifically proven mm-hmm. 
And it's biblically sound, right? Mm -hmm. Write the vision and make it plain. Mm -hmm. So God tells you to write the vision down. It's so that you can see what you said, what God said about you. And then when you write things down, the reticular activating system, which is kind of like your, your brain's processor, will start to filter out what is relevant and what's not relevant information. Mm. The more you start scripting your life as you desire it, your it tells your brain like, oh, this is important. We should be look we should be on the lookout for this. Mm. When it when it sees that way, we like this was a big thing for me if I used to journal all the time. Like my house is always so neat and clean. My house is organized. Mm. I'm not naturally an organized neat person. I'm an artistic creative mess. Mm right? Mm -hmm. But because I began to write it down, all of a sudden, I was then able to see like, oh, wait, let me pick up real fast, because my subconscious is now taking on the identity of I am an organized person. Mm -hmm. The ego does never wants to feel like a liar. So do you see how it all works together? Mm -hmm. This is the, the most practical, useful, least fearful step that you can take to break through and have a breakthrough today. Mm, so good, Rachel. So it's just powerful. I'm sitting here like, okay, I need to do this. I love writing things down, but sometimes <laughs> I get so busy and caught up in everything that I'm like doing that I forget to do it. So thank you for sharing that. Where can everyone find you if they are eating this up and loving everything that you've shared and connect with your story as I'm sure that they do and that they have just been so blessed by this, where can they find you and follow along and learn more and just be inspired by all that you share? Yeah, well, definitely. I'd love to invite you to become part of my lunatic family and get on my email list. You can go to rachelluna.biz. I love that. <laughs> lunatic. I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that's rachelluna.biz forward slash lunatic. And that, that keeps us connected. And then you can also follow me on Instagram at Girl Confident. And I also have a podcast called Permission to Offend. And of course, my faith activated journaling experiment is over at, well, actually, it's not an experiment anymore, but that's how it started as an experiment. <laughs> uh, it's an experience now, but you can go to myfaithactivated.com. But definitely subscribe to my podcast, Permission to Offend, and allow me, if, if you will, to serve you some more over there for free. Awesome. <laughs> Rachel, thanks so much for being on and for everything that you've shared. You have encouraged me, as I'm sure you have encouraged thousands of women who are listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, 
ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Waver helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.